0: Here's a commercial Autism Speaks made.
1: I am autism. I know where you live. If you are happily married, I will make sure that your marriage fails. Your money will fall into my hands and I will bankrupt you. I will make it virtually impossible for your family to easily attend the public park without embarrassment. I will plot to rob you of your children and your dreams. Every day you wake up, you will cry, wondering who will take care of my child after I die. You are scared, and you should be.
0: hell I'm autistic and that commercial takes my breath away and I've seen it twice I can't I watched it once and I had I shared it and then they came after me and a load of like little soldiers who are affiliated with Autism Speaks also came after me all these hate comments and I would click on the profile and it was like member of Autism Speaks so it felt like a coordinated attack and it takes my breath away the level of ignorance and hatred towards autism and autistic people in that commercial. Hate, pure hate. And that's an organisation you're gonna be hearing a lot
1: of around World Autism Awareness Day. I wanna make a video about how I'm against
0: World Autism awareness day. I'm autistic. Um, I, my official diagnosis is level two autistic, which is quite autistic. I know we don't talk about levels these days, but that was my diagnosis right in the middle. So quite autistic. My son was diagnosed severely autistic. So I've got skin in the game on this subject. I think it's like really perfectly summed up by this TikTok. Since I was close and able, I jumped up on the coffee table. You said you should kill that. I said, I'm no fuck that. You said, come on, be a man. What? Shit like this brings the movement down. Everyone's a feminist until there is a spider around. And Chloe's a great autistic influencer, actually autistic influencer to follow on TikTok. You see how actually autistic people are against horrible organisations like Autism Speaks who rear their ugly head this time of year, big time raising money. There's no autistic people on the board of Autism Speaks. They're all neurotypicals and they feel like they speak for autistic people. I'm also, while we're here, totally 100% against ABA, which I think is like dog training for kids. It was invented by the same guy that invented gay conversion therapy. What a lovely man, Ivor Lovas. He used the same techniques for gay conversion therapy to use on autistic kids, kids to convert them out of being autistic. They used to use electroshock therapy, let's therapy, electroshock punishment in that practice until fairly recently. It's awful. And in my opinion, you should steer clear of it. I saw two sessions of ABA. Apparently one of them was by a world renowned expert, horrible just filling the kid with overstimulation and obviously it's so unnatural, so unnatural, like reward, punishment, reward, punishment. Or they say like, no, take away your attention, which is punishment. So the amount of actually autistic adults that have had PTSD from ABA is crazy. Go and check it out. Check out the hashtag actually autistic on, uh, on TikTok. I agree with Chloe. It's... Not autism awareness. We need it's autism acceptance. We need to accept all different neurotypes. I'm completely out there as a guy. You you know my content. I get incredibly excited about all different things, and I'm I'm quite full on, and I'm I'm a lot. Um, but then there's other people that are very bookish and very mellow and very, you know, together. We need all types, we need all these types. And I'm really starting to realise ever since I accepted Alfie, not was aware of him, accepted him and let him lead the way with what we do. It's been night and day. We need autism acceptance, not autism awareness. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to get that little rant out of the way because it is World Autism Awareness Day, which I'm against. Um, Should be World Autism Acceptance Day. So having said that, I wanted to uh, introduce today um, the first of, I did three interviews around autism with people on the spectrum that are really interesting. I wanted to start with uh, the Aspie world, which is Daniel Jones, who's a friend at this point. We've, uh, we talk now and again, and I've been on his podcast, he's been on mine, and um, he's a lovely guy. And uh, he's really trying to do good things out there for the autistic community. So uh, check this out with Daniel Jones, the Aspie World. I want to welcome today Daniel Jones, aka the Aspie World, an authority, I would say on <laughs> authority, I'm going to say on you make some incredible content about autism and Excellent. you know the things that different people, you know, different struggles people have, and it's it's really informative stuff. I love your your Instagram. On your Thank you, YouTube, man. I appreciate it. yeah, it's really good. And so, how did you, how did you get into this? How did you get started?
1: Really funny, actually. Like, it's a really, it's a really interesting story. I mean, I won't bore you with a long, long version, but I'll give you like kind of like the, the, the short version of it. But um, I kind of got into it by accident. But I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome in 2013, right? So I was 26 years old, and I've been bumbling around in the dark and, until then. Um, but my parents, and the only reason, the only reason that I have a late diagnosis is because. I, li- I live in North Wales, which is like the back end of nowhere. But th- back in the 80s and the 90s, it was really difficult to find anybody who was a professional who could diagnose autism, right? Especially like this far up into like the northern part of the UK. So, um, so it kind of went under the radar. But I was diagnosed in 2013. And so the first thing I did is I came home and I knew nothing about autism, right? So I was like, you know, go on the old Google. Um, and I was like, well, I, I'm dyslexic as well. So I couldn't really read much. Oh, buggery. So I went onto YouTube and typed in, you know, Asperger's syndrome, ADHD, and I couldn't find anything good on there. You know, it was all very, quite depressing and dark. And yeah. we did a handful of videos, really badly bad quality videos. And I thought, oh God, I can do so much better if I just, you know, if I put my mind to it. And I thought, well, I've had 26 years of, you know, not knowing that I had Asperger's syndrome or, you know, not knowing that I was on the autism spectrum. So maybe I've got some value to offer people and I can make a a better video at least than some of these geezers that got some videos. So, so that's what I did. I put, I put one video out. It was the first video to go over a million views as well on my channel, but I put that video out and and I I just left it. I didn't really do anything with it. And I was in, um, I was in Dublin and my girlfriend, um, bless her, we're still together now. So she, she was, um, uh, we'd only been dating a few, a, maybe a year or two. And she was like, oh, I'm really getting into YouTube. And it was back in the day. So, you know, 2013, YouTube was kind of pretty raw, you know. Right, and yeah. um, and uh, we, it, there was a meet and greet for a couple of YouTubers who were daily vloggers in Ireland. So I thought, like, you know, we live on Anglesey, Ireland's just literally, you know, a hop on a ferry. So yeah. we went to Ireland for the day, went to the ferry. And uh, so she was downstairs in this, we went to this club and it was like downstairs. It was like a big meet and greet and upstairs was just like a bar and it was kind of closed, but you could go up there and chill out. So I was like, do you know what? Meeting all these people is not for me. So I'm just going to go to the bar and chill out. So I sat upstairs and the husband from the Daily Vloggers. And um, his name is Benji Travis, actually. he's um, He runs a channel called uh, Think Media with a guy called... Uh, no, yeah. oh yeah, Think Media. Sean Cannell runs Think Media, sorry. And Benji and Sean run Video Influencers, which is a uh, they, they, that's the whole thing. They teach people how to be YouTubers. Um, and uh, anyway, so I met Benji uh, just randomly off the cuff. We were just sitting and he wants to buy me a drink. So we just got talking. And then he was like, dude, do you want any tips or anything? You know, you can always hit me up. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, and uh, And basically what happened was... I checked my YouTube account and I had so many people just asking, Hey, can you make more videos? I relate to you so much. And you're, you know, my son's like you, or I'm like you and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I'll put some more videos out. So I just literally just chucked a bunch of videos out. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I got some mentorship from Benji. um, And then I won an award from YouTube uh, called the Next Up Award. Have you heard of that? Wow. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And uh, so basically they... YouTube find channels between ten thousand and a hundred thousand subscribers, and then they they take them down to the YouTube HQ and they kind of supercharge you for a week. They teach you all this kind of rubbish and how to do all this that and the other. Then they give you some money. I think I got about two grand from YouTube to go and buy some gear because all my stuff was like you know using an iPhone and a bloody right. um you know I didn't even have a proper mic or anything like that. You know it's just it's all rubbish. Um, so yeah, so YouTube kind of supercharged my channel a little bit, and then I was like, wow. I just i literally just finished a degree in chemistry and I thought well, what am I going to do now and so I just went full pal to just putting videos on YouTube and kind of like it just grew from there really so it's kind of like wow. accidentally stumbled into it
0: so uh, when you got that that uh, that award what year was that
1: uh the award was 2017 so oh, it was wow. next Sorry. step yeah 2017
0: yeah so yeah I mean that's 2013 is like a, I imagine YouTube was very different then
1: Mate, it was like it was like the Jurassic period, you know what I mean? I mean, you couldn't even. It it, it was you just about started to allow monetization, you know, and you had to have at least. I think the biggest, I think some of the biggest influencers had like sixty thousand subscribers at that point. You know, there was no no, nobody was like mega, mega, mega big, Um, and. And I was really intrigued by it because it was all kind of a bit of a hush hush how people kind of got money. Nobody really wanted to open the the gates to the club because it was kind of VIP, right. right? But Benji was like, "Yeah, you know, you hook up AdSense and you just like check a bunch of videos out and you see which one's stick and you do this." And and I was like, "Okay," but I was like, "I've already got a video, that's, you know, doing super well, you know, twenty thousand views." He's like, oh, "Holy smokes!" So it was really good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, YouTube. I mean, YouTube was a different thing back then. I mean, it. it I mean, it constantly changes, but the principle of YouTube stayed the same. I think the, the the needs of the audience have changed though. That's the difference.
0: Yeah, it's become way bigger. So what was your why did you get diagnosed? What what was the process of you deciding to venture into that?
1: Yeah, super interesting. It's a good question, actually. Um uh considering I knew nothing about autism previously. Mm-hmm. Um what what had happened is I was um I mean forever my parents knew there was like something up you know so I would, they would take me to all these kind of doctors when I was growing up and I was kind of like in the special education unit in in my primary school and then in high school you know I had really poor attendance and was struggling really really bad so my parents I was in and out of doctor surgeries talking to different kind of psychs and it was all kind of crazy because none of them could really put their finger on it so I was sure it was short memory loss or I don't know you know and then um, I just kind of accepted that I was a bit of a freak. <laughs> I nice. was just like, that's me. I mean, but, you know, I found solace, actually. I was a, I'm a multi-musician. So I I started playing music in high school. And that's how I kind of like, I just did that every day. I came home and I just learn to play every instrument I could get my hands on, really, um, and play music. And so it kind of like, that kind of took, it was a, like a hyper obsession at the time. So I just kind of did that. And I just accepted I was a bit of a freak and locked myself away and just did music for years. And then um, the pinnacle point came to, I can never stay in one job, you see, like every time I would get to a job, I'd start getting (laughs) like super depressed. And uh, actually I tell a lie, I was a, I was a bass player for um, the Elvis tribute band in in the UK, the biggest one. And I was, I was on 200 quid a night when I was 16, right. Playing bass in front of thousands thousands of people. I did the Matthew street festival in Liverpool. I don't know if you remember that. It was a great big festival in Liverpool yeah it was like four million people watching on tv and it was like twelve thousand live yes. and it was a great it was a great event um and i loved it. it was in my element you know but then um i was kicked out of that band because um i fluffed up on one gig because it was the day before my driving test and i was really nervous and <laughs> so the manager oh, right. was like yeah you're out of the band i was like oh shit so i lost like a really <laughs> good job <laughs> um and then every job i had other than that was more conventional It was kind of like oh did a bit of office work did a bit of this but then if i'd stay there too long i started getting, my my mental health would just kind of really decrease and then i couldn't do like phone uh you know like hot desking and stuff it was just a mad mess so i kept jumping jobs i get mm. to this one job and it was about i don't know 15 people in the whole company and i was like yeah cool this is cool and then they were like dude we'll hire you because they were making multimedia packages for um car dealerships and i was like well, yeah i can code you know simple like it was just like really simple codes like html html5 stuff like that bit of php nothing crazy um and then uh i was like self-taught as well so i was like yeah i'll do it and then I did a bit of graphics there, but what happened was I'd sat in the same place for two years, right. in the same, same kind of chair, same office, but the company expanded overnight to like a 200 person company and they had to move offices. So I was away on on annual leave. I was, I was in Liverpool on a bit of a holiday and, uh, I come back to to North Wales, going to work to the office and my desk had moved. Like they moved everything without asking me and I freaked out. Like I just couldn't and I was like, hyperventilating a mega meltdown in the office and it was completely just like, you know, no one had ever seen this and then they had to like kind of push me into a room and close the door and like, you okay? And it was a big old thing and then uh, yeah, it really rocked me to my core. It was the biggest meltdown I've ever had and, um, and then so I had to take some time off and whilst I was on time off, I had to go through some therapy because obviously my employer was like, look, if you're going to come back to the office, we need to make sure you're okay. Right. And so whilst I was on therapy, it's is really funny, my partner was, she was doing a degree in childhood studies and development in autism. And her mother is a mental health nurse. So her mother kept asking me if I was on the spectrum and I had no idea. So I was like, I have no idea. No, I'm not, you know, I don't I don't know what that means, but I'm definitely not because I, knew, I know what it means. Yeah. And then it kind of all came to like the pinnacle where, my therapist was like well we're gonna have to you know assess you further and refer you to a different unit and then my girlfriend was like i think you should get checked out because i'm learning about this right now in children and you definitely fit this bill quite excessively especially with you know knowing my history and then yeah it kind of just went like that and then i just went through the process and you know i did those like three kind of those three interviews and those little tests that they make you do and then and then yeah, I came out the other side and I'm like, oh, Sasburgerson John with ADHD and OCD. I thought, like, oh, what the fuck? You know, like, what is this? Wow. Like, you know what I mean? And so yeah, it was it was it was wild. It was absolutely wild.
0: Wow. And you you was a complete
1: shock. You didn't suspect it yourself. No, no, because like the whole time, like um the whole time I was like, Well, I'm I'm fine, everyone else is a bit weird, right? You know what I mean? And yeah. then like people and I had I had huge issues with like, you know, maintaining like really good friendships with people. I had like maybe like one friend I could keep, on, but I've never had a really good friend. And I was like, oh, maybe just, I'm not the type of person to have friends. And, um, and, and I just liked, I, I was just a bit of a weird kid, you know, you know, a weird young man. And, and I kind of just felt like that was just me, you know, a bit a bit eccentric and whatever, you know, yeah. spaceships and building stuff. So, but yeah, and I, I never really suspected because I didn't know what, what it was. Um, I did think that I was, I thought I was mentally ill for a while. I thought, oh my God, maybe I'm schizophrenic or something, or, you know, or narcissistic or something. Yeah. Um, because I had some some issues in in, in, in technical college and I, of course, youth therapist and stuff. And my brother and sister, um, because I get hyper focused on stuff, I was I, one of my biggest um special interests is mm. the 9-11 uh, catastrophe in America, oh, unfortunately. Wow. I know very morbid, right? I know. I even did when I was doing my degree in chemistry, we did um, we did academic posters you know, and you display kind of findings of, of results. And I did one on the soil of of the of ground zero, and we, we found uh, particles of nanothermite in the soil. You might have, might have heard of the study, um, which is a military grade of, of explosive in the soil. So we opened up a bunch of questions and that actually won first prize. I had to go to a science symposium and and, and display this. Anyway, okay. regardless of that, because we're getting off topic, my brother and sister were so like, well, you know, Dan's obsessed with 9 He's just talking about it all the time and all this kind of stuff. They're trying to get me com- committed to a hospital. Like, they were like, you know, he, there's obviously something going on and they didn't oh. know, you know. So, yeah, it was a it was a turbulent time, I guess, you know, that transition yeah. from, from like, teenager to young adult to being kind of like full-blown adult, you know, it was difficult.
0: Yeah. I heard that um, in the old days they, they used to classify autism as infant schizophrenia. They thought they were linked, like, you know, pre-60s yeah that's correct yeah, yeah. Um,
1: leo Kanna was doing um because it was actually init- initially called um uh kind of infantile autism that was the that was the name because it was linked to leo Kanner's other kind of mental health conditions neurological um uh conditions and schizophrenia yeah, was one of those kind of like you know uh personality based um uh trait uh kind of conditions and so yeah you're, you're absolutely right you know there was these kind of like it develops as a child and it gets worse and well not worse but more intense as, as you grow older you know what i mean sure, so it was really interesting sure.
0: it's interesting you talked about the uh, correlation between narcissism and autism because i've really mm-hmm. noticed that autism can present like that sometimes because it's kind of socially a little bit shut down yeah. and stuff i don't know if you find that
1: yeah i mean there's there's I, i've done a few videos on this actually because um there's there's a big there's big differences between narcissism and autism both mm-hmm. can present very similar but if yes. you really know what narcissism is, you realize that autistic people aren't like that because narcissists will manipulate a conversation to be turned in their favor. Whereas an autistic person will just say what they want and the outcome yeah. may be negative. Whereas a narcissist yeah. will do it negatively on purpose. You know what I mean? There's this purpose between that. So like as a, yeah, like an like an, uh, an autistic person will have a meltdown or, or an emotional outburst because they don't know how to control their feelings. Whereas a narcissist would manipulate a situation to create emotional outburst to create feelings from other people. Very interesting, actually.
0: Interesting, yeah that's yeah. that's a I, yeah that's actually a really good point is the manipulation that autistic people don't really we're not so manipulative. is that a word we don't manipulate so much it's more like just putting it out there what you're thinking yeah. I, I find that definitely
1: yeah it's, it's being kind of like quite direct with what you want to say yes whereas a narcissist thinks about this for a while and really kind of like how can i how can i create an upper hand in the situation whereas an autistic person's not even looking for the upper hand they're just being honest yeah you know what i mean yeah
0: so one of the questions I get a hell of a lot of is um, people messaging me saying, what advice can you give me now my child's just been diagnosed with autism? What, what advice would you give people? What's your, What would be your main points of advice for someone who's just had their child um, diagnosed?
1: Well, the first thing I'd say to parents is like, look, you're doing a great job. Your child is surviving and you are happy enough to keep surviving. So you're doing a good job. You know what I mean? Like nothing, nothing tragic has happened. You're doing a great job. The other thing is that when when parents get this diagnosis, what tends to happen is you go to a clinic or some kind of like hospital kind of representation building, and they say you know, so your child has an autism special disorder. It's all very official, very you know, yeah. papers and. But the thing is, nobody ever goes to a hospital for good news. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's true. So when you when you go into a clinic or a hospital, you kind of feel like oh, they're going to tell me something now, and they give you this kind of label in a way of saying there is something wrong. When there isn't really anything wrong, it's just this is how it's categorized. And so you, you leave feeling with a feeling of there's something wrong. I need to change what I'm doing. But the thing mm. is, you've been doing so well up until this point, you know, your kid is surviving, your kid is thriving. Yes, there's bits that you yeah. can improve, but there's no drastic change that needs to happen. Don't feel like you're lost. This is the biggest thing. It's kind of like parents have this feeling of like they've been chucked out into the middle of the ocean with no rubber dinghy, and you haven't pad- paddled water, you know, where am I going from here? It's a big open water. But no, you've been you've been cruising in a, in a speedboat all this time. The doctor's just giving you a name for the speedboat. You just go, okay, well, now I know a name for it. What can I do to improve it? What can I do to improve this condition? And so I would say, parents, don't panic. Mm-hmm. Take you know, take a step back. Um, uh, just understand the terminology that you've been given and then assess the situation of needs. So this is another thing parents think like, okay, my kids, you know, on the Austin awesome special, what do I need to do now? I need to invest in century lights and all this kind of stuff. And I need to do all this kind of crap. Well, maybe not, you know, you need to assess the, the what, what is your child struggling with? Label the top five things that you find struggles with, then look for a solution to those five struggles, because that's where you need to start. And once you kind of, you know, so first one, oh, it doesn't like going to the grocery stores. Okay. Don't take them to the grocery stores. Right. okay you know what i mean like it's very simple things yeah. but because but because until you have this label parents feel like the kids might be just being awkward or you're just kind of like oh come on you know everybody does it and so right. it, it's such a it's such an interesting uh time or transition um and parents always beat themselves up for it and i think like you know parents get such a backhand slap from the community you know you're you just an autism mother you don't know and he's like just take right. it. you know what i mean like but they're living that day in day out you know they're 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 struggling you know, to help and they're doing a great job. So I also think pa- parents, it's a, diff- It's a look, you know, yourself, you know, you're a father, I'm a father, being a father, being a parent is a difficult job as it is, or mm-hmm. a challenging job. It's not difficult, it's challenging, right. Okay. But being, you know, challenging it is already, if you add in, you know, autism on top of that and you've just had that diagnosis, then it rocks the boat a little bit and you kind of feel a bit like, Oh God, am I doing the right thing? And I say, well, yeah, yeah of course. Um, And so, yeah, that's how I would, that's how I would attack it. I would say, look, look for your top five, um, uh issues and and go through each one one by one and then once they're done then you look for the next things that are happening like uh looking for um uh, meltdown triggers looking for um change triggers like all the things that could potentially trigger you you just go through those and say okay well we'll eliminate that we'll get rid of this and and it's just it's a way of making the life a life more comfortable physically Mm -hmm. for a person who's experiencing a, a world different to you you know, that's that's what the device I give to parents. Yeah,
0: that's really good. I, I really like that. It's the sort of practical steps. Now another thing I get a lot of is people, especially in the UK, saying it's incredibly difficult to get the diagnosis. <laughs> yeah. How did you go about that?
1: Well, for a start, it was 2013. So it was a it was a different time, you know. Right. Um before, you know, pre-COVID-19, it was about a year waiting list, I think. It was roughly about that between I don't know, eight months and a year. Uh, and that was because what was happening is with the work that, you know, myself and other advocates are doing online as influencers, we were raising the profile of this and ra- raising right. the um, uh, raising the awareness of it. And and then people were kind of going, oh, shoot, that actually sounds like, like my kid. And so maybe I'll take them to the... So, th- so of course, everything kind of increased in the volumes of people wanting to go and have an assessment done. Um, so, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Um, I think the popularity of being online and doing all those things and getting millions of views kind of rushed people to those sooner rather than drip feed it out right so the the capacity kind of increased for those specifics um which is crazy thinking that you know we managed to kind of really influence heavily on that and then the second thing is um uh the uk government um have been uh using um austerity measures to cut back on on um on public spending and they have been kind of taking away funding for, for certain subsects and because autism is kind of like a small one um you know it's only one in a hundred people Whereas like you know there's bigger fish to fry in the nhs so they kind of just take take the funding away and they close down departments and then they all have to move to one department rather than having five and then so that one department's overrun and the volumes increased it was just crazy so then after covid because everything had to stop i mean it's gone up to something ridiculous i think it's like Uh, three years, I think, or something like that. Um, So it it is, it's difficult to have that access. Um, I mean, if you went private, I mean, you're looking at spending three grand, you know, and and in the States, it's like five to seven grand, I guess, privately or whatever, you know, it depends what, because insurance don't really cover it because it's a neurological condition, right? It's not like, it's not your your typical family kind of, you know, doctor or physician, that's going to see you, it's going to be a specialist. So it's it's a bit difficult, Um, which is actually, I'm on a, I'm 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 I would say I'm about twenty percent of the way through creating a company which we can offer autism diagnosis online for less than a thousand bucks for adults and oh, wow. less than less than five hundred bucks for for children. Yeah. And it's all done through Zoom and it's all kind of like compliant with, with the reg- regulations and it's completely, you know, it's, it's recognizable. But yeah, we're we're really we're trying to do that. And we're actually opening up a scholarship as well where say you're extremely poverty struck and you're desperate for this diagnosis because you need it to access help and support. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can actually get that funded as well. So uh, we can do, a, you know, a certain quarter of people per month. Um, so it's really cool. We, I've got loads of cool plans. That's kind of one of my big, big things.
0: That's great. Well, that actually leads me on to my last question, which was what's next for your channel? What's next for the Me world? What's on the agenda?
1: Wow. You know, so I have a book coming out um, in uh, in. I, well it, apparently like pr- provisionally august this year but i think it may be a little bit after august because there's a lot of work to be done on it um right. and i'm gonna i'm gonna pull up the cover if it's cool i can show you the cover a bit of a sneak yeah peek. absolutely it's, this is what it looks like so it's it's autism for adults oh, um, oh wow that's great an approachable guides living excellently on the spectrum so i wrote this whole book i'm dyslexic and you're thinking how does this guy write a book um i talked to my iphone and ipad and it it kind of like creates the text I, I speak and it makes the text that's how i do it that's a um, great way of writing a book
0: that's don't, like was, having a, a personal ghost writer
1: yeah exactly and do you know the funny thing about it is because i have adhd as well i wrote the whole thing whilst on a treadmill so i had to like run on a treadmill and speak my thoughts uh and then it, it wrote it for me yeah so and then i used grammarly which is like an app to kind of like just tighten it up a bit um, so yeah, yeah i've got a book book coming out um, I am partnering with a bunch of different companies, um, looking at technology and applications, um, for helping autistic people. Um, I have more, I want to release more courses and, uh, coaching programs designed for people on the autism spectrum and parents specifically, uh, mm-hmm. this year. And I'm also increasing the, the amount of content I'm putting out because I feel like I'm not putting out enough content. I know it sounds stupid. I put a video out reading single day on every platform, but I want to kind of increase that. So I know like five bits of content a day isn't good enough. <laughs> but like you know, there's so much there's so much more that needs to be done. And I think there's so much work that needs to be covered. Um, yeah, you know, just just trying to increase that. I'm also um starting an event called Autism Social Summit. Uh bought the I bought the domain, autismsocialsummit.com where I want to bring in influencers from, you know, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and then put them into like the mixture between like a comic con and a, at a conference for autism because and then fuse it so it's something fun for autistic people to to attend with autistic influencers and and you know and f- i don't know autism friendly things you know stalls or, or whatever and so that's something i'm going to do i'm i'm provisionally doing one in canada this year sometime we were trying to do it for april but it looks like it's gonna be pushed back uh to the near like the summertime, um mm. which is gonna kind of be cool but other than that, um, I'm also looking at developing um, some apps and databases for the NHS in uh, in Wales to help with their uh, neurodiversity team uh, drill through some data so they know what support to offer, which is cool. So I'm going to do that and donate that to them. So yeah, it's a bunch of different things. Yeah, a bunch of different yeah.
0: things. I feel like you need to be doing more.
1: <laughs> I know, dude. I just, seriously like. That's I, a know lot stuff. I know, but dude, I honestly like. This stuff keeps me awake at night. I like. Do you know? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. I'll let you in on something. I haven't really said this publicly until this year. I started talking more openly about it. But my biggest goal in life, right, is to create a billion-dollar company so that I can go to a multi-billion-dollar company so I can go to the US and set up my own healthcare clinics for free, so I can start treating people in the US for free because access to healthcare sucks in the US if unless you're above a certain pay grade, right? And I, it, it's a privilege you know that that's denied to many like you, you should not be something you have to pay for it's a human right right so i'm like super into this so like i'm gonna plow all my money into opening up healthcare clinics in the u.s um wow. and i'm gonna and it's yeah and it, i know how to do it I've got it all planned out and so yeah and this is so like it's kind of like my roadmap you know how do i do it i want mean, to accumulate wealth and capital to then put into the project so um, it sounds crazy and wild but like you know you almost send people to mars so why not you know
0: Right. Yeah. Crazy miles is always good because like the, the, the best ideas start off as the most crazy ones, I feel like. And that doesn't sound too definitely. crazy. That sounds like you could do
1: it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like it's going to start off small. And it's going to be a big project, but like, you know, you, you open a clinic in one town and then the next town and then the next and you keep going, keep going. You know, if we can open up McDonald's on the corner of every flipping high street up and down the US, pretty sure we can open up a clinic and offer like literally free healthcare.
0: That's amazing. What a What a great
1: goal yeah dude I'd, I'd, like honestly like i've always wanted i've had this like i don't know it's inherent like urge like it always makes me feel sick i get compelled i wake up in the middle of the night worrying about people not being able to access health care it's, it's crazy right and i'm always like i need to do something that's like big 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 you know like i always thinking about bigger 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 and it's not for personal gain i couldn't give a shit if my name was on it at all i just want these people to be helped you know wow i love yeah. that thanks i
0: love that that's, yeah that's such a such a worthy thing to do because like yeah healthcare in the US is is so tricky for people to get if you if you don't have the health insurance, you can't afford it. You're completely fucked.
1: Yeah, you're not and that's the thing. Like you know, if you've got pre-existing condition and try and get, and you don't even know it's an underlying health condition, you go for a medical before applying for insurance, and they say, oh no, you've got an underlying diabetes or cancer." You're completely fucked. Like how, how are you supposed to do that? And, it, and yeah. it, it's you know who and it, and it, oh, do you know It's the only developed nation in the world that does not offer universal health and right. it's completely bonkers. Like it's absolutely yeah. bonkers. So, oh, so you're the, going to be coming out here more
0: to, to set that up eventually.
1: I, yeah, I will. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And, and I'm going to, yeah, it's so, so there's so many things. I mean, we start small, we start small helping people. We create capital and we create capital, we create, um, uh, automatic funding streams for through different means. And we scale those funding streams and we plow that money into paying uh, medical staff to, you know, and the thing is when you're, when you're running universal healthcare, you know, you're not looking for staff who are looking for like a million dollars a year to to run a surgery you know you're looking at modest people taking a home like a, you know 50 grand a year you know that's yeah. the difference you're looking at people who want to do it because they want to help people not because they want to make money right
0: yeah that's so true. it's well
1: it's very economically achievable because you have the right people involved then and the right people investing in it will give you the best care right
0: yeah absolutely well i mean that's a that's a i love that that's a great inspirational message to end on so, <laughs> great thank man. you so much this was so amazing my pleasure and next time you're out here when are you coming out next
1: uh, soon probably i was supposed to be out for vidcon but they haven't given me the call yet <laughs> so oh. i'm just like come on vidcon give me the call give me a ticket <laughs> VidCon, give him an invite now oh no yeah come on vidcon they normally do i spoke at vidcon i put i put the first ever neurodiverse panel talk in vidcon in 2019 first everyone i've ever done it was me um you know um katie uh or Katy, she's the uh, psychologist online psychologist um yeah, yeah she got blonde eyes she lives nelly yeah yeah she did that stuff with shane dawson so it was me Katy, um how to adhd um uh, jess from how to adhd and um yeah. there was another oh, oh jarvis johnson do you know Jarvis? I know the name, like, I think. Yeah, he's such a funny dude. Anyway, he's got ADHD, so we put on this panel and it was packed. And they haven't done one since. So I'm like, come on, Hank. Like, give me the call, bro. I just need my little speaker tag and I'll be good to go. But there yeah. you go. But we'll That's put true. it out
0: in the universe and hopefully it will happen.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate
0: Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And let's speak soon.